Hey, don't forget, if you're looking for some pregame coverage, it'll be right here on ESPN 1025, the game. Start your morning off from 10 o'clock in the morning until 1 o'clock. Three hours of coverage. Then, right here on 1025, the game, then the coverage goes to downtown where we are right now. We're here at Pete and Terry's Tavern in the Sobro entrance of Bridgestone Arena. But on Sunday, starting at 1 o'clock, George Jones downtown, which is on 2nd Avenue. You'll have Jared Floyd Reese and Forever Titan Chris Sanders there anchoring down our coverage from 1 until 3 o'clock. So yet again, uh, that would be five hours of pregame coverage leading you up to kickoff of the Titans and the Broncos. And all that pregame coverage is brought to you by Wholesale Link. Powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, Middle Tennessee Kubota Dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Let's say hello and good morning to Terry McCormick from TitanInsider.com. Just like me, he is recovering from some stuff, a little bit different situation. Terry, how the heck are you? I'm getting there, slowly but surely. Yeah? Yeah. We, we've talked a little bit about your incident. Unfortunately, you were in a, a bad car crash. Uh, somebody hit you and uh, broke your arm, which is not good for a rider. But uh, you, you are on the road to recovery, as they say. I am on the road to recovery. Uh, you know, I can't really drive right now, can't really write right now, but <laughs> I can still talk. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So when you look up the when you look at this matchup between the Titans and the Broncos, what do you see? What stands out to I you? I see I see two teams that both have pretty good defense and both are really struggling to find any sort of consistency on the offensive side of the ball. It, it just you know, I think we know the Titans struggles and how inconsistent they've been up one week, down the next and I think when you look at the Broncos, you see a team, you know, you look at them and they're one and four, and you go, wow, how did that happen? But I think it's the fact that, you know, they just don't have enough offensive skill skill players who can make a difference, and I think that is a big problem in today's NFL. How concerned should they be with the kicking situation? Terry, you know uh, the two of us have been covering the team since the beginning, actually, you had a year up on me. You even covered the team that was in Memphis. I started when they were over at Vanderbilt. Uh, they've been spoiled by kickers and punters over the years. I mean, uh, you think about this organization getting it right. Uh, they've gotten it right a lot more than they have it. Now they're kind of in a really dicey situation. Suck up, yeah. we find out. We thought was coming back, you know, in, in camp and preseason, but. He was not ready for the regular season, as we found out. And they bring in Santos, and that was all right until Sunday when it was a disaster. And now enter Cody Parker. Hi, Parky, how do you approach this if you're Mike Vrabel and his staff when you've got kind of the unknown? And who knows? Now, the good, the good news is, as you know out there with the higher altitude, it favors the kickers. I mean, it's certainly a good place to kick. It's not like kicking in Chicago where Parky – is used to with the wind and the cold weather. So how do you think they'll approach that? Well, obviously, this week in practice is going to be big for Parky so that he can get his timing down with Brett Kern, the holder, and Bo Brinkley, the long snapper, and the Titans can evaluate him and see exactly what type of guy they're getting here until Ryan Suckup comes back. Uh, 
you're right. The altitude uh, should be a, a plus. But, uh, you know, until you can fully trust a guy, and I don't know how much trust you can develop with a guy who's brand new, you just kind of playing it by ear. I think, uh, you know, you have to be a little bit wary. And, Darren, as you know, some of the, you know, coaching decisions that we've seen from Brable and the staff in terms of when to kick a field goal, when not to kick a field goal, it kind of left a scratch in our head. And now you're throwing another X factor into the situation with bringing in a brand new guy in Cody Parkey. I'm glad you brought that up, Terry, because I, I, I got to be honest, uh, Mike Vrabel has left me scratching my head a lot this season, and a lot of people have referenced the last three weeks. I actually referenced the last four weeks because I said all off season, especially with the addition of Adam Humphreys and that signing and what you're paying him, I thought that should be the absolute end of Adore Jackson returning punts, and instead he sent him out there in Jacksonville, and I don't want to say it cost him the game because there were still about 57 minutes left in the game, but it certainly set the tone for the rest of the game. I thought it was a poor decision to send him out there because we had seen it. It just hasn't worked at this level for Adoree Jackson. So every week we have these head-scratching moves from the head coach that has everybody, most everybody, going, what is he doing? Yeah, you know, it's one of those situations, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due here. Uh, I don't know if you've met Luke Worsham or not, who does some writing for A to Z Sports, and uh, he's helping fill in on Titan Insider while I'm out. But he wrote a column on A to Z Sports about Vrabel and the coaching decisions. And uh, and he said that one of the things that he thinks that Vrabel's issue might be is that he's still using too much of a player's mentality when he puts guys in these situations, because Dan, as you know, when, when you're when you're a player, you know you've got to have ice water in your veins. If you you know if you miss a field goal, you got to think you're going to get it the next time you go out there. If you throw a pass that's not that's intercepted, you got to think that you're throwing you know throwing it correctly the next time. And I think that Brable is maybe using too much of his players' mentality, showing a vote of confidence in these guys rather than doing what a coach should do and say, okay, you may have confidence in you, but right now what's best for the team is that we do this. I've got to be honest, Terry. I've been saying that for a year and a half. And the way I say it is it's time for Vrabel to take his coaching hat, everybody his player hat off, and put a coaching hat on. He's a head coach, and he needs to act like it. And I understand at first, you know, going for it and trying to show your team for a first-year head coach at the beginning I said was cute. It's no longer cute. It's costing them games, and he's got to get out of the player mentality. He is a coach. Why he would go up and say anything to Santos before that fourth and final kick, I have no idea. What do you want Santos to say to you? He was a guy who was out on the streets before you brought him in here. Of course he's going to tell you he's fine or put me out there. I mean, I I don't know why you would say a word to the kicker in that spot. To me, the head coach has got to make the decision of do I go for it, do I punt, do I kick this? But either way, walking up to the kicker at that point, to me, shouldn't have even been in the plans. No, I agree with you. I think that uh, really you had two options there. You're either going for it and trusting your defense to get you a three and out if you don't get it, or you're punting them deep and telling the defense to get you the ball back at midfield. Yep. But to me, I think everybody still leans toward 
you got to go for it, right? I mean, you still needed a touchdown. I, I think that's what was more perplexing about anything. You had a kicker that clearly was not having uh, a day. He was having an awful day at the office, and you still needed a touchdown even if he did come through and make a 53-yarder. You still needed the touchdown with six and a half minutes to go. So to me, the it, it made zero sense, kind of like going for it in Atlanta when you could go up 17 and basically end the game there's been not only head scratchers, but in some cases, I don't even understand the thinking or logic behind it. Yeah, the one in Atlanta really baffled me too, because you know that's you know, and the Titans were fortunate that their defense rose to the occasion, stopped the Falcons on downs, and certainly the Falcons have their own set of problems that they're dealing with, as we've seen this year. But uh, back to the Titans, in that instance, you know, putting going up seventeen with 13 minutes to play, that's the nail in the coffin, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, that's a situation where, uh, again, we're left to wonder, you know, why some of these decisions are being made, and, and you know, and I realize that Brable is the ultimate decision maker here because he's the head coach, but surely you have some other guys who are, have some more experience on that staff that are weighing in and saying, hey, we might want to think about this, you know, before we do this. Yeah. Terry McCormick on the line. With us here, TitanInsider.com. So how do you go about trying to, and I warned everybody last week, I said just because Taylor Lewan's coming back doesn't mean the offensive line, I said it all week, is going to be fixed magically. Poof. Okay, everything's better now. And sure enough, it played out that way. How do you go about trying to fix some of the woes now with the offensive line, and especially the surprise of, Gosh, and you remember this. I mean, they went out and identified Levitri from Buffalo as the number one guard out there in free agency, and they paid him a ton of money, and Andy Levitri did not work out here. Well, Saffold was identified yet again as the best guard out there. They went out there and paid him a ton of money, and right now it has not worked out. Yeah, he's really struggling in pass protection for sure. And, uh, you know, it's starting to remind me a little bit of another guy. You remember when they brought Hutchinson in a few years ago, and they thought, oh, this is going to be a great upgrade, and it just turned out that Steve Hutchinson had reached the age where he didn't have much gas left in the tank, and, you know, it makes you wonder if that's the case with Roger Saffold. You know, you hope not for the Titans' sake, but uh, it certainly looks like a situation where this offensive line has a lot more questions than answers right now. I think Taylor Lewan's play should get better uh, as he goes on, you know, first game back. Obviously, there was some rust there got a holding call on the first play of the game. Uh, as far as the other side, you know, Jack Conklin, his play's been up and down. Uh, Nate Davis is now taking over at right guard. He's a rookie. You know there are going to be rookie mistakes and things like that that go along with him. But uh, it's a situation with this offensive line where you're just hoping that this unit gels, that they can put the same five guys out there, keep them out there for a good amount of time, and then hope that that unit gets better as time goes on. But right now, it is kind of a murky situation. What do you do with Dennis Kelly now? If you've got no injuries and everybody can go, what do you do with them? That's a good question. I mean, Dennis Kelly, you know, do you throw him into a competition with Jack Conklin at right tackle? I don't know. Conklin has played pretty well for the most part. He's had some times where – He's uh, gotten beat. Uh, Kelly could play a little bit of guard if you ask him to. Uh, I don't, you know, Jack Conklin has 
said that he doesn't want to be moved to guard. I think right now, you know, Dennis Kelly is probably one of your five best offensive linemen, but he doesn't have a spot to play, and that's and that's the interesting part to me is what do you do with that when you've got a guy who is one of your best five that you've got to have out there, and if you move him to a position he's not familiar with or move somebody else to a position they're not familiar with to get your best five out there, does that weaken things further or does that strengthen things? So I think that's a situation where you know they're just going to have to weigh that, that out and see what's the best option. Delaney Walker's been so good. It may be one of the – Maybe the best signing this organization's ever had since they moved to Nashville. He's had a, a couple of, you know, eye, eyebrow raising drops, which we're not accustomed to in the last couple of weeks, and and they need to get him more involved. Uh, are you surprised that he hasn't been more involved in the offense? I am surprised he hasn't been more involved in the offense uh, because he has been a staple of what they've done over the last five or six years. You know, coming off the injury, I don't know if people thought he would be close to the same Delaney Walker. I think he showed in preseason that he's at least close to that. Uh, to me, you know, the, one of the big problems with this team is that they they need to get in a rhythm and get Corey Davis more touches. They need Adam Humphreys more touches. They need Delaney Walker more touches. And certainly the way A.J. Brown has played, he's probably been their best big play guy they've had so far this year in the receiving core. You want to get all those guys their touches, but that's hard to do when you're only throwing 20 to 25 passes a game, and most of those are the short variety. So to me, you know, the key is can you run the ball enough with Derrick Henry to open up the passing game, or can you pass effectively enough using your guys so that teams don't key on Derrick Henry? Um, uh, to me, that's a big part of the problem is because you've got lots of guys who show flashes and show that they're capable, but none of them are getting a lot of touches right now. All right, last thing, Terry. What, what's going to be the key for them to go out there and get their third win of the year? Well, I think the biggest thing is when you look at Denver, they still have Vaughn Miller. They still have you know a pretty good pass rush and you know a pretty good defense. Uh, Big Fangio now running things out there in Denver. He's a defensive-minded guy. The big thing to me is you've got to protect your quarterback, give him an opportunity to make some plays, and ha- and allow yourself to have some balance on offense. You know, you can't. This is not a team that's built to play from behind. You can't go out there, turn the ball over, get down ten nothing or fourteen nothing, and find yourself having to dig out of that. So to me, it all starts with can the offensive line protect, and if they and if they can, can the Titans find some sort of consistency on offense to get things going. We will see how it all plays out. Uh, continue your road to recovery. Good to talk to you, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Darren. Glad to hear that you're back as well. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Terry. Terry McCormick, TitanInsider.com. When we come back, Willie D will be back in the mix. Chase should be from back up from upstairs, and Lindsey Rowley will join us at the table as well. More coming on Darren Donick and Chase ESPN 1025 The Game.